0: Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Take These Songs, a podcast about people and the music that they are committed to. My name is Madalano martin and it's my job to welcome you. Thank you for being here for this, our first double-digit episode. It's very exciting. It's been 10 full weeks of doing the podcast, and we're having a great time. And we're excited that you are here with us. And I don't know why I'm saying we. This this podcast is a, it's a one-person operation, and that person is me, your host, Matt. Thank you for being here. If this episode is your first time experiencing the podcast, I'll explain it very quickly how it works. I invite a guest on to bring four songs that they love, songs that fall under the categories of something old, which is any song that is at least 25 years old, something new, which is a song that was released within the last year, something borrowed, which is a cover and something blue, which is uh, any song that they have a strong emotional reaction to. I'll get to our guest here in just a second. Uh, I've got a lot to say about our guest for this episode. He and I go way back. But Before I do that, I just wanna thank everybody. Uh, The podcast is still small. We're growing, the numbers are cool. It's cool to look at all the analytics behind the scene uh, and see like, oh, people are checking it out. And we appreciate you for doing that. As it is the 10th episode, I do wanna just real quickly uh, read some of the reviews that we've gotten, which is very exciting. And these are just the ones that I know about because the podcast is on a lot of streaming services and I only kind of check the analytics in the back end on a couple of them, maybe the, the bigger, more major ones. So if you are leaving reviews on some weird, obscure <laughs> podcast streaming service, first of all, bless you. Thank you. Thanks for for taking the the path least taken for podcast listenership. Uh, uh, but I'm sorry I won't be reading your your review. Um, you can always email it directly to me at takethesongspod at gmail.com. I would love to see it. But these are some reviews that were left. Just in, in, in the normal way, not the normal way that 's dismissive. These are some reviews that were left on Apple Podcasts, which is kind of the primary platform that we use we 're not on Spotify we don 't feel like that Spotify is a particularly ethical uh, organization in a lot of different ways, so the podcast is not there, which is probably honestly why our numbers are not bigger. I know a lot of people use Spotify for their podcasts. I just don 't want to be in business with them, uh, so these are reviews that were left on. Apple podcast that I really appreciate. Uh, A couple of very brief ones, but very nice. Uh, A couple people just said, So good. Uh, That was from Opportuniver. And then also someone just wrote, uh, Good. (laughs) So there was So good, and then there was another good. These are both five stars, though. So I'll take the five stars and the few words. Uh, So Clangswell said, Best podcast this millennium. That's the millennium with the internet, in case you were. Wondering, they clarified which millennium they were speaking of. Um, but that was a five-star review. Thank you so much, Clangswell, for that. Thank you so much, Opportuniver, for saying so good. Um, and then uh, somebody whose name is uh wrote Awesome Stuff five stars. And I appreciate that, Z J J J J J J J J J J J J P Appreciate that. And then uh, Lady T-Force. And I know who this person is, Lady T-Force. Uh, she and I go back a long way as well. Uh, listening up there in the, the, uh, the east coast, the northeast of this fine nation. Uh, wrote, Breath of Fresh Air, five stars. I look forward to new episodes every week. This podcast is such a breath of fresh air. It's like sitting with a friend I've never met and having a conversation about music and life. Great music. I love the categories. Seriously, who doesn't love nostalgia and covers? Simply 5 stars. Thank you so much, Lady T. I appreciate you checking out the podcast and leaving that fantastic review. I really it really means a lot, and I know that I still owe you a letter. It's my turn to write back in the pen pal club, I guess. Uh of two? It can can two people be a club? I don't know. I owe you a letter. I will I'll I'll try to get that to you. It's it's long overdue. If you would like to leave a review of the podcast, that would be amazing. You can do that in all of the places. Obviously, Apple Podcasts is the one that I look at, <laughs> but you can leave your reviews elsewhere too. anywhere that you are currently listening to this podcast. It does mean a lot. When you leave a review, you rate, You uh, you give those five stars, four stars, three stars, whatever you feel like we deserve. Uh, and subscribe, all that stuff helps uh, push the podcast. But I will tell you something that I think is more important, particularly at this stage uh, in the podcast's uh, career, in the podcast life, if you will, is if you will post about it on your social media, if you will tell your friends, your music-loving friends, your podcast-loving friends about this podcast, to me, I feel like that is way more effective to get the word out about Take These Songs than trusting the algorithm Of the more rates and more reviews helps. And then I'm sure all that stuff does. But if you could just do it the old fashioned way and just tell a friend, that would mean the world to us and we would really, really appreciate it. It also feels really good to have my guest this week, JD Short. JD and I have known each other for most of our lives, uh, which is an interesting thing you can say as you start to get older. Uh, JD and I both. Played in various bands in Evansville, Indiana during the mythical magical 90s, um, and we never played in a band together. We were both bassists at the time, uh, and so we were never in a band together. We just knew each other from around and always liked each other. And as often happens, you know, uh, you kind of grow apart for a while, and then we reconnected several years ago over a shared love of the video game series Fallout. <laughs> So as, as many uh, adult men do, uh, we reconnected over an online video game to where we could play video games together and talk on our headsets with one another and then uh, let down our guard, share our emotions with one another. So that's the tale of JD and I. And now I'm happy to say that JD and I do play in a band together. Uh, JD is in my uh, punk political project, Belta Lauda, uh, I only call it mine because I, I started it, but he was the second almost immediate member. I had started writing these songs and we were talking one night while playing video games and I was telling him about them, the songs, and how I'd started writing music again. And he's like, oh, send me some, send me some files. And that's uh, that's been the start of it. now we've got a couple albums, a couple singles out, and uh, it's, it's been good. It's been fun to be um, men of a certain age, still making a racket. And yelling about things that make them uh, angry and sad. That's been a lot of fun. But outside of that, JD's musical career this entire time has uh, been amazing. After leaving Evansville, he began his solo project for which he is best known, which is Bass Doubler. That is B A S D B L E R. And Bass Doubler, how do you describe Bass Doubler? It's sort of sci fi ish, uh, instrumental, trip hoppy rock. Uh, that's about the best I can do with it. It is instrumental rock music that is very cinematic in scope that is based around his bass guitar playing skills, which are phenomenal. uh, JD is one of these, like, top of the top bass guys like he's a he's often on the very popular guitar nerds podcast as a expert about all things bass he's he goes to the NAMM uh, trade show to show off uh, fancy gear for uh, music nerds who want to spend a lot of money on fancy gear he's just he's just this dude who plays and composes uh, at a very different level and so that's a long way to say that he's really slumming it in Belta Lauda if I may be honest (laughs) I can barely play guitar. I can barely sing slash scream. Uh, and, uh, and then he shows up and plays all the notes correctly and things and, um, and stays on time. Um, it's very interesting. But anyway, you should check out his solo work. It's really, really cool. All of the bass doubler stuff is themed around the sci-fi book series Dune. So if you're into that, then uh, there'll be some Easter eggs in titles and titles and motifs that appear throughout the work. Or if you're like me and you've never read those books... Uh, it's still very enjoyable. It's great music. You should check it out. Bass Doubler. I would say just Google it. That's what I did just now. And he's on all the things. You can find the Bandcamp and get the records. You can get uh, the Instagram feed. You can do all the things you need to do to follow JD and his work as Bass Doubler by Googling B-A-S-S-D-B-L-E-R. Okay, this has been kind of like a long, loose, rambling intro, but I'm trying to be more organic and, and, and myself in these things. And hopefully you like that. It's not uh, annoying. (laughs) But without further ado, let's jump into this episode of the podcast and find out JD's picks for something old and something new.
1: So for my something old, I wanted to talk about Faith No More's Caffeine off the album Angel Dust. This is one of those songs that I feel like made it onto to every mixtape I've done, or at least about 80% of them for years and years since it came out. And primarily, it's one of those songs that I, I remember growing up, being young, and at the age where I listened to music constantly part of it was that my mom had a job um, at some point where she basically listened to a bunch of different radio stations and um, would, what was it, basically just uh, make sure they were playing the right ads, you know, it was very manual process in the 80s and stuff, so I just always grew up with really big ears and listening to all kinds of stuff and just I loved listening to music all the time And we ended up having cable, um, which I'm pretty sure was a friend of my dad hooked us up, or uh, he was just cool to the cable guy that came out, and then we just had cable. Um, But we got MTV quite young, and it was when MTV played videos all the time, and they had so many just really cool shows that would actually happen like late at night the programming on weekends and everything was so was so good and you start seeing like headbangers ball i was a massive metalhead when i was growing up but i was also listening to lots of other stuff like i really liked a lot of uh rap and hip hop and even before i really really started playing bass i was just always into that i had a, a cousin who's just a bit older than me who lived out west who would always um whenever he was coming to visit he would always tell us about um or he'd tell me about like all these all these bands that other people listening, like things I had never really heard of. Like he's the one who introduced me to Bob Marley and other reggae, certainly other reggae, um, as opposed to just knowing Bob Marley, like he really got me into all kinds of other stuff. And I think that's also really what helped me gravitate towards like, you know, beats and rhythms and um, bass as what I really like to identify with. And it was, it was on one of those shows, um, at MTV, and I can't remember which one now. Uh, it was one of the live live shows. I could easily search it and figure out, but I, you know, that's not really the point. It doesn't matter. It was, it wasn't really 120 minutes, but it was a show uh, where they had live bands playing, and I remember seeing uh, Faith No More, who were already kind of big from you know, the Real Thing album with Epic and all of that, When this was for Angel Dust when it came out and they played Caffeine. And it was one of those pivotal moments that I just remember there was a time before I heard that song and a time after I heard that song where it just had so much going for it. Like the the drum beats, powerful and driving and groovy, the bass is is simple but is so in like just works so perfectly and at the time it was so high in the mix compared to where bass normally was and i love billy's playing massive influence on me broadly um and then i and then other people always tell me and i'm like well i love billy i never i never think what would billy do when i'm writing like a bass part but it it just kind of comes out because i love billy and faithful more But then, you know, in this era of Faith and More, they had Jim Martin on guitar and he's got that total gaity, like scooped mid sound um, th- that was just metal at the time. It was, you know, the pre Corn and then pre Sepultura sounding like Corn and all that, that era. And it was just this very, very metal guitar sound, which I loved as well. On top of these, like driving but thick groovy drums this bass part that was sitting in its own place keyboards which are incredible with sampling and stuff kind of hitting in there which was new and weird at the time and then you know like matt mike patton's vocals on this were really the time where he he went from sort of the playing the part that was Mike Patton and like when he sort of joined an existing band and then this was the the sort of time where Faith and More became Mike Patton was just a member of the band. Uh, and like the lyrics the the lyrics are great. It's one of the things I've always loved loved about Mike Patton's lyrics is that they're they're meant to be Yeah, maybe they mean something, but they're also meant to be sounds and rhythms. And it's like it's him rapping also, in sort of a you know, tongue-in-cheek like way of just like saying some stuff, like 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 the second line of the song is like forget the glamour and mumble a jackhammer under your breath, you know. It's it's like these these phrases you hear that are just um, they really just make sense as like vocal sounds and rhythms and textures in the song. But again, it's just... It's a song that I've... Like, I wouldn't be who I was without this song. For my something new, um, I will say that this was harder than I wanted it to be, uh, and then I just really cognizant and I haven't, I haven't really been listening to loads and loads of new stuff. I mean, there's, there's constantly new to me stuff that I'm listening to, but, you know, I just feel very unhip and with it in the last year or so. Um, but that being said, um, the song that I'm going to talk about is a song that I truly, truly love um, and adore, and it's one that I I go through phases where I just cannot stop listening to it, uh, which is a thing I I don't normally do. Like I, there's only I think been a couple times in my life where I've had a song where I just want to listen to it on repeat, or I just like listen to that specific song multiple times a day when it's like not. I'm not trying to learn and I'm not um, doing it for a gig or anything so it's um, but the song um, in a real bearing the lead sense uh, the song that I've chosen is a song called still life by the band Kali Masi Kalamasi's a band based out of Chicago. Um, hard to describe them, very um, say I, you know, multi genre, um, punk alternative, um, emo, but in the good sense, you know, all of all of that. And, you know, I I sort of got turned on to Kalamasi through our lovely host Matt, um, and just general. You know like the the circles we sort of all kind of run in and so it just feels a bit like the the extended belt family and and so i i picked up the the new record checking out because i i saw that kalmasi was coming to london where i live and i was like oh it'd be great to like go see them meet up want to listen to some some more of their stuff um and it was just as uh laughs this album was coming out and was listening through you know most of the album there's it's an absolutely phenomenal album i i recommend everyone pick it up but still life really stuck out to me and i can't count how many times i've actually listened to this uh but there's there's some parts of this song where i the first time i heard it i got choked up i still get choked up a bit um sort of throughout and it's just, it's such a beautiful song in that it starts with, you know, sort of Midwesty emo, like kind of vibes where you, you start getting that, like, you know, it's just the way we do. And it's like, you can hear like real emotion just in, just in the chords and everything that's coming up. And it's, you know, driving rock song, all that's great. Um, Melodies are incredible and it, you know, all the rhythms are it's it's a really really good song. Then there's a, this middle bit, the bit where it's, you know, can I get a little noise for my, and it kind of goes through a bunch of, like, really personal, like, touching lyrics, and I just, you know, and it's also, like, in the middle of, you know, as I'm recording this, when I was listening to this originally, is is sort of in the middle of, well, I say in the middle of, during the pandemic, who knows when the middle actually is, um, and it was, it's the idea that like I could just so vividly imagine this being performed on stage and you know this is before I saw them um, but just imagining someone like can I get a you know like can I get a little noise made for my brothers can I get a little noise made for him? and it was such a cool it was just such a cool interpretation of you know being able to to have that make make sense in a song itself but also just imagining how well that would work. Live And then thinking about, like, it's been ages since I've actually, you know, been in a, a sweaty club. So can I get a little noise made in here for my brothers? Went out from the bottle, went out from the bitter. And can I get a little noise made in here for my mother? Three boys
0: by yourself
1: beat hunger. Yeah, it's just like, it's like, it's a bit of nostalgia. It was almost like nostalgia for something that hadn't happened yet, you know? And it's, it was just this really, like, vivid memory that I had listening to it. And I still get that. Like, like for me, it's not even, it it doesn't even feel like it's a, hey, remember that time I felt that? It's, I'm feeling it each time. Plus, there's some other lyrics in that song that are just like, really... Um, really crushing. Like my my favorite My favorite line that resonates a lot with me is there's a line that says, um, "I feel shame when I don't feel joy," and that's, you know, is, you know, someone who struggled with depression, someone who's, you know, mostly um, through it a bit. You know, like it was one of those things where I just really, really, um, I felt that. It's the most perfect song that I've heard in the last five years or so. Like I think it's one of those one of those songs that I, I tell people about, you know, <laughs> that that I insert into conversations when we're roughly talking about musicy things and I just kind of like, you you have to listen to this, you know And I hope you all enjoy it.
0: Hey everybody, Matt here at The Halfway Point, just jumping in very quickly to let you know that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Limestone Comedy Festival. The Limestone Comedy Festival, three days of stand-up and podcast comedy in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. Taking place this year, May 12th through the 14th, headliners include Bob the Drag Queen, Chad Daniels, James Adomian, Emma Willman, Ashley Gavin, Emil Joaquim, Irene Tu, Caitlin Palufo, The Mike Adams Show, the We're Having Gay Sex podcast live taping. That's a spicy one, isn't it? And a lot of words to say. We're Having Gay Sex podcast live taping. And many, many more 50 comedians from all across the country are coming in to open up those shows. It's a fantastic time. In fact, it's The Greatest Weekend of Your Life, Volume 9, the ninth year of the Limestone Comedy Festival. Tickets and badges are on sale right now All the information, all the details that you need about all the things happening at the festival are available at limestonefest.com. Once again, that is the Limestone Comedy Festival, May 12th through the 14th in Bloomington, Indiana. Get those tickets, get those badges, get that info at limestonefest.com. Okay, the ad read is done. Let's jump back into this episode of the podcast and find out JD's picks for Something Borrowed and Something Blue.
1: For my borrowed, I'm gonna go with Blonde Redheads version of Serge Gainsbourg's theme from the film *Slogan*. The reason I went with this is I started thinking about what really makes a good cover to me, and it's something where the song works and is representative of both the original artist and the cover version is representative of the group or, or artist who is who is doing that cover in the, in the sense that it, it sounds like it's just one of their songs. So they're really taking it and making it their own as opposed to, you know, some of the covers, um, you know, we think about um, top of mind that are just really bad versions, almost tongue in cheek, ironic um, things like hashtag faith. Um, like Limp Biscuits cover and things like that, where it's just, you know, it it is it's almost like a flat joke that doesn't go well, kind of thing. So what I really wanted was was someone that, like a song that was clearly a beloved song from the artist, something where they they've taken it and made it their own. And I think Blondoretta does that really well in that if you didn't know that it wasn't. Originally, a "Blonde Redhead" song. It sounds like it could be a "Blonde Redhead" song, whilst also being true to the to the original Sarah um, Skainsport version. And what's really interesting to me is it's like the the thing about Serge Gainsbourg is, that, like, for me, it's, it's, it's tremendous. He's, um, if you don't know, I always sort of equate him to, like, a French David Bowie in that he's sort of all things to all people. <laughs> but one of the things I really like about him is just uh, the wordplay is so um, so fun, like, lyrically. And then to have, like, that being weaved into, like, a Blonde Redhead song, is great, and so like the first few lines of the song are in French, but um, my my real rough translations of them are things like "you're feeble," "you're deceitful," um, "you're mad or crazy," "you're cold," um, <laughs> and it's like you don't care. It's like just loads of loads of stuff in this like pretty atmosphericy sweet song it sort of seems like, but if you're listening and
0: to the lyrics.
1: And then, you know, like, it's, it's a song that I think is like also doesn't stray too far from the original in a sense in that, you know, like it's, it's not, let's see. Oh, a good example of that might be, um, there's this other song, the cover version of a song that I really, really love. Um, it's a song called a commotion, um, by Feist originally. And then, uh, the cover version I'm thinking of is by Mastodon. And I think this is, is pretty big, but it's, it's one of those it's one of those songs where you know the album version of a commotion by feist is pretty um, like soft singer songwriter ethereal e uh, whereas the mastodon version is is just a big powerful mastodon song with you know double bass drums and and everything just like pounding and and they're both great and i think it's it's a really good example of like how a song like doing it really well so that it's just clearly your your song but if you but if you listen to them sort of back to back you would you'd be really hard pressed to go oh yeah that's that's definitely the same song <laughs> you know um whereas i think with this you know with slogan it you can clearly tell the the influence the vibe and everything is there but it's it's sort of just that shifted it's an interpretation of the song that i just think is is really lovely It was a song I originally got on, like, a 7-inch um, years and years ago. Um, I think I think it's been on a few other, uh, uh, like, more compilation-y albums of uh, Blonde Redhead since, but it was just, it's the first time I, it's really what sort of introduced me to Serge Gainsbourg, and uh, I didn't, you know, I I didn't grow up listening to a lot of my older French well it became like um older french pop songs and stuff you know or like early ish for that that time and place jazz and stuff and so it was just it really was a cover that that sort of opened like opened my eyes to um but really opened my ears i suppose more so but like opened my ears to listening um to other things and i think that's that's another great point um about covers or like what what's amazing about covers is that it, is that when they can they're like pathways to discovery they're a pathway for you to listening to new things to to finding the original artist and realizing that you also really like other things that they do, they do and so it's it's that interpretation it's the the translation that i think is really really amazing when you can do that whereas you know it's kind of coming back again, you know, like the, the the negative aspect of of that is when, you know, someone, you know, mentioning earlier, you know, like someone sort of almost does like a send up of a song and is, you know, kind of poking fun at it in a way and it being, you know, something like, oh, I can't believe, you know, like, can you believe we would ever listen to this? Isn't this ironic? You know, I I think it's, it's just, There's so much potential in, you know, in treasuring, treasuring a song, treasuring someone's, someone's work, and then you transforming it and sort of saying, oh, this is, this is my version. This is how I would, would do that. Or this is, this is what it sounds like sort of as it passes through me. I think that's such a beautiful thing. And then, you know. The whole sort of reverse engineering, as I was talking about a second ago, is it's just the, just the idea of being able to say, I really like this band. I would never, you know, like, like thinking like twenty year old me, Serge Gainsbourg wasn't in my orbit, but became in my orbit because because of this song, because of some seven inch that I got from Touch and Go. You know, like it's such a, such an interesting pathway, and I think that's that's the real. Real beauty of covers. For my Something Blue, I was really, I promise you, focusing on songs that are musically evocative and songs that that always set a mood or always help me get to a place or put me in a place when i listen to them and also i I sort of have this general um unintentional running list of the like my favorite pure musical moments that i always i can always turn to and just listen to them and and it's they're just magic so the song i've chosen has both of those um, and uh, also has blue in the title so real trifecta Um, i've chosen uh, miles davis's blue and green from the album kind of blue The bit on this song where it's in D minor, when the chords start, it's just this immediate vibe. Like it just immediately puts me in that place. And it it sort of, um, it's nearly Pavlovian in the sense that it just, I, I feel my shoulders drop. I feel like sort of centered in this space like listen like what whatever's happening is like oh this song and then also like the anticipation of when miles davis actually comes in with his like muted trumpet and listen the first bit of the melody that he plays when he first comes in is one of those musical moments for me that is just pure magic and is the is a thing that I don't know that could ever be recreated by anyone recreating it. It's just the most perfect intro. Miles is playing it is so soft and the mute just pokes through like in in the most beautiful way. There's loads of like complex, interesting things happening, um, and certainly this is besides like later sort of funk fusion, bitches, brew era. Like this is my sort of. I think this is the the era of Miles Davis that um, that's impacted my writing and playing the most. Um, sort of kind of blue uh, in a silent way like that, that era, and so like just listening to to the melody, overall of the melody, like it's it's always interesting. So it always sort of feels like it's starting on on like a long note and then we'll kind of come in. And and a lot of those a lot of the notes, if you're um, really into it, are all sort of the you know, not say like the color notes. So, you know, thinking about like like a sixth or a sharp nine and sharp eleven. Um, but you always just sort of it's like everything like the the start of the melody is is outlining everything else that's happening. It's making everything else really interesting. Also, um, Paul Chambers is one of my favorite bass players. So listening to his playing on on this album, full stop. But um, this song especially is just one of those things that it's just it's just so evocative and so. Um, I was gonna say muted. It's not muted in the same way, but it's it's just it's just so perfect. Like the note choices and the way he's attacking the notes and and all this like the subtleties that you hear uh, in his playing and everyone else's playing, like Bill Evans on piano and everything. It's um, it's just so good. Also, I should say there's some um controversy around like who actually wrote the song. Is it Bill Bill Evans or Miles Davis? Um, probably in the Bill Evansy camp. It sounds very Bill Evansy, but it's sort of. But Miles gets the royalties, and also it's Miles's trumpet um, that really um, sets it for me. Because there's there's a few other like Bill Evans has his own version of this as well. Um, that's acclaimed and sort of out there. Yeah, it's, it's like this, this song is just such, such a vibe. And it's like, I can listen to it doing anything like it's, you know, a a classic road song. It's classic, you know, lonely hotel room song, you know, it's, it's any sort of travel. It's any bit of, you know, just like, I could, I could be listening to, you know, like fast paced, thrash metal stuff blue and green comes on perfectly happy you know like it's just one of those things that's this just really always always touches me i think it's it's such a yeah it's it's a song that's just so very very dear to me Yeah. The other songs that I sort of think about that have like similar sort of magical, magical moments of them are you know, just they they have those moments and they sort of happen and then sort of the rest of the song happens in a sense or the song happens and there's the moment, then the song happens again. But like for for like this it's like the the it's the anticipation of Miles' trumpet at the very beginning, and then that that amazing moment, and then the rest of it still feels like it's like it it like that bit for Miles Davis, the when he comes in. It feels like it's opening the door for the rest of the the rest of the track, as opposed to sort of saying like, "What a amazing moment!" And I like the rest of it. It, it it's really inter- it, it's just really feels like it's it's helping you along and it's setting the stage for it. And I hope you dig it.
0: We did it, everybody. Another episode of the podcast in the books and, dare I say, in your hearts. Thank you, JD, for doing the podcast. Thank you for being my friend. It's been such an amazing experience to reconnect with you uh, and rekindle our friendship from when we were uh, real, just two real idiots in our 20s, if I may say that about us. I think I was in my 20s. JD's actually a little bit younger than me. I think he was an idiot in his late teens, and I was uh, an idiot in my 20s. But now it's so sweet to be uh, idiot friends in our 40s together. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, the way that life works out sometimes. Also, I loved your picks. I love the introspection and insights that you brought to each one of them. Just uh, thanks, man. I appreciate you doing the podcast. Also, thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode of the podcast. If you haven't yet, go back. Check out some previous episodes. We've got some real bangers in there. They're all bangers, in my opinion. Uh, I love the format and concept of this podcast, which is Kind of narcissistic to say since I came up with it, but it's true. I think it lends itself to a type of intimacy that you don't hear in an interview style podcast. I think people alone with their own thoughts, composing those thoughts and just recording them solo style and sending them in about the music that has affected them, it just puts them in a different space that they normally wouldn't get to. With another person there with the microphone. So if you haven't checked out the older episodes, uh, you should go do that. There's some really, really great ones, and by that I mean all of them. All of them are great. <laughs> We're getting very narcissistic now. Once again, if you don't mind, rate, review, like, and subscribe to the podcast. And even more important than that, share, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, put those links up on social media, or just uh, old-fashioned style. Just drive over to their house with your laptop and sit them down and make them listen, you know, in a nice way. You know, like don't, maybe, maybe not the last thing. Maybe just send them the link. That might be better. Take These Songs was created and hosted by Madalona Martin. That's me. Hi. Thanks for being here. And our theme music is by Go To Space Die. Go To Space Die is an instrumental space rock project by Dagan Thorgerson. You can get their latest album, Red Air Don't Care, on Bandcamp right now. If you have questions, comments, or just anything you want to tell us, you can email us at takethesongspod at gmail.com. That is takethesongspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. But until then, as always, this is Matt saying, I hope every single one of you finds music to have and to hold.